You're listening to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch TV and movies about too many fucking snakes. <laughs> I can't. I, I cannot. I'm sorry. I, I, I blocked that out. Just a heads up. The first few minutes of this, we talk a lot, a lot about snakes and spiders and um, rats. If you're somebody who has a phobia of any of those things, you're going to want to skip ahead. Um, I would say a good, a good 10 minutes. Yeah. Maggots too. They probably will come up again. Um, yeah. Just so you know, but we spend a lot of time focused directly on them. So just just so you know, if that's something that's really going to ruin your your day, you might want to skip ahead a few minutes or your breakfast. <laughs> skip either skip your breakfast or skip ahead. Yeah, it was a lot of snakes. Ten thousand live snakes. I have blocked that from my memory. There's a lot of this movie that I didn't remember, and then when I watched it. I was like, oh, I've seen this a thousand times. I know exactly the tonality and the inflection and everything that's about to happen. But I had blocked out the snakes. It's so funny because I was saying to you. We watched we The saw- Craft. Oh, we watched The Craft. I'm Andrea. And I'm Jody. <laughs> and that movie has too many snakes. It does have a lot of snakes. The thing about snakes is. You I can't train you- snakes, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't like 10,000 like copperheads. 10,000 snakes. There was a 10 foot boa in there. That's pretty cool. I'm not, I was saying to you, I'm not, it seems like people are either, we are either like genetically, biologically, evolutionarily, um, like bred or whatever to be fearful of snakes mm-hmm. or you're somebody who fucking loves snakes and you're like, you're like a snake person. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really neither. I'm, I'm not afraid of snakes. I wouldn't like to get bitten by a poisonous one, but like. <laughs> Whenever, like, when Fear Factor was a show and they would make people get in the snake box, like, I could get in the snake box. It would be fine. Oh, my God. You're an alien to me. I wouldn't prefer it. However, I also read that the maggots were real. Yeah, but there was, like, one toilet full of maggots. That is enough to end my life. I was... So what are they going to do to you? They're not going to do anything to you. The snakes can bite you. Yeah, but they don't want to. And if they... It's like, you're not going to die. I guess maybe 10,000 snake bites might kill you, but they would have to be, like, a concerted effort of all of the snakes joining together to bite you all at once even one snake bite hurts yeah yeah that would probably hurt i just think like i would be fine i I would be fine but oh my god but i wouldn't but i wouldn't hold one maggot (laughs) okay like like genuinely if the option was get in the snake box from fear factor or hold a maggot i would jump in the snake box in a second this is the least i've understood you as a person (laughs) since we've since we met they're so gross. They're it's like yeah, they're and- gross, but they're like tiny little things. <laughs> <laughs> they're so small. They're, I was just about to say with a very different inflection. They're so small. <laughs> People eat them. <laughs> People eat snakes too. I think. Probably. Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah. No, the snakes. I can't. But- this is going to be the whole podcast is both of us trying to rationalize and understand the other one here. And like, I didn't love the rats or the roaches, but like as someone who lived in New York city for a decade, you know, whatever. I'm a, it's gross, I'd also but... rather hold a rat than a roach. I'd rather hold a snake than a maggot. I'd rather hold a, huh? 
Now, Roach and Maggot are the same to me. The problem, though, is the roaches, I think, were computer generated. The bugs in general looked like shit, so I wasn't afraid of them. Well, here's the thing, though. Roaches are faster than maggots. (laughs) Both is bad. Both is bad in that case. Yeah. Because roaches are faster and they want to get away from you, I think, right? Uh, Yeah, generally. See, now you've got me stuck on, do I, would I rather hold a rat or a roach? A, a, a rat. A hundred percent. I would elect to. Well, They're pet- like mice, but big. Okay. A pet rat? Yes. Oh, does, if we're thinking about, are we, which part of my brain am I thinking with? Am I thinking with the rational one that knows that like a street rat carries disease? That's the brain I'm thinking with. Is the, is the, so I'm not thinking about somebody's sweet pet rat that they've like right. hand trained that's like their little friend like that's fine they have creepy tails but that's fine but when i think of rats i think of new york city street rats that are like the size of large cats and are disgusting so i I, I still think again again if if somebody was like you have to pick one of those up and i'm just on the street and there's like a gun to my head i'm gonna pick up the roach because a street rat might bite me give me a disease and i die and i don't think that's gonna happen with a roach it's just gonna be gross yeah and but but the my my instinct is reach for the rat if i'm not thinking about it i don't know roaches like you can step on them and and they I, I actually never stepped on a roach, but I think they probably crunch. Oh, they're disgusting. That, that Don't get me wrong. Bad. I mean, you could step on a rat too if you really want Doesn't Elise isn't it Elise Myers who has a story about accidentally I need think- a, I need a minute to think about stepping on a rat. Um <laughs> No, but like Oh, this is hard. Okay, so one of my traumatic childhood moments was when my pet gerbil bit me on the nose and wouldn't let go. Oh, um no. And so I think I've had a distrust of all small rodents since then. Um, I had a scar. I think it's gone now, but it like held on with its little teeth. Would you like to know a fact about me that I think you might be delighted by? Of course. That is related to this. Is of course that I In would. addition to having a pet raccoon, we also raised, I had 22 guinea pigs at one point. We raised, <laughs> we raised guinea pigs and brought them to guinea pig shows. That's amazing. So, so that might also be why I wish I'd known you when I was a child, because we had guinea pigs. We had one big guinea pig that we found out after we got it when there were tiny babies in the uh, cage the next morning that we bought a pregnant guinea pig. Uh It's the oldest, oldest trick in the book. That's how they get you. Oh, my God. And we had gerbils and hamsters and yeah, but we did not have 22. That's, that's impressive. But uh, yeah, if I'd known you, I could have given you the baby guinea pigs because my mom did not want them. Um, No, I, yeah, see, I had those little rodent pets as a kid too, but I don't think, I think the, the one that bit me on the nose really kind of ruined it for me. Like I don't trust squirrels. I don't. It's fair, and they have know. awful little teeth. Yeah, they really do, especially when they're attached to their your face. The problem is, I, they're not very sharp, but they're powerful. Yeah, and that's what makes it so painful. It's like the thing of like, if you cut your yeah. hand with a very sharp knife, it doesn't really hurt. It's like that. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, no, I I've never forgotten that. So, like, I will never put 
an animal that I don't know near my face. <laughs> I mean, I think that's generally a good rule. <laughs> yeah, but you'd be surprised how many people how many people break that rule. I know. I have the sweetest dog on planet Earth, and but when people want to meet him on the street and he's small, so they want to get down near his face, I'm always like, "Why would you do that? Yeah, you don't you don't know that he doesn't realize he has teeth in his mouth. No, like, and like <clears throat> the people that think they're fucking Snow White and like feed peanuts to squirrels mm-hmm. and stuff in the park, I'm like, those are rats with fluffy tails, and I they mean, that, will bite you. I that know is... that's probably you, but <laughs> it's who I want to be. Yeah, it's who I want to be too, but I'm a realist. I mean, I am going to be, like, when I inevitably die, it's because I've convinced <laughs> myself that, like, a wolf dog or something understands me on a spiritual yeah, level and we're going to connect and then yeah. it eats me. Like, yeah. I am going to die jumping into the polar bear tank at the zoo. Like, sure. I, it is going to happen. Yeah. I understand, though, that it's, that that's a failing on my part. Right. Well, and weirdly, the larger animals scare me less. Like I kind of get, I kind of get that. You, you know, can see them coming. Like I feel like I could make friends with like a black bear. Totally. But, but a squirrel scares me. <laughs> They're less predictable. They're so shifty. Well, and they seem less because like a bear is almost a person. A bear is like a yeah. person with a lot of fur, and so you feel like they stand on their hind legs. Yeah, like a people. You see them like playing in people's backyard pools and stuff. Oh, I love it. Yeah, but squirrels are shifty. I do not trust them. There's a wolf sanctuary. It's a wolf dog sanctuary. I should be very Ooh. clear. There are a couple in Jersey, but there's one Howling Woods that I've been to and they're they're all hybrids, but you can go on a tour where you get to stand inside the like their enclosure and they'll come up and you can pet them and I take pictures and they give you kisses. Aww. And then the thing that makes me cry is at the end you start the like the group of visitors starts a howl. And all of the wolf dogs in the sanctuary, even the ones that you can't see because they're too far away and in their own, all start up and you get to do a howl, like a, oh my God. a, a pack howl with the wolves. And it is. It that is, would make me cry. It is. the it, it makes me cry. It is the best moment. Wow. Like, it's so good. So That's good. amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I relate. I feel like I could hug a bear and it would be okay. Yeah. I think I would. Yeah. But a squirrel would bite me and give me rabies. It is funny because I think when it comes to like things that people often deem irrational, you and I are often divided where it'll be like a thing that you're irrational about that I'm like, come on, or me. Yeah. It's not often that we're both like, actually, I think I could hug a bear. <laughs> I wonder what it is about us that this is the point where we intersect. Did you have a lot of stuffed animals as a kid? <laughs> if you had to guess. <laughs> if you had to guess with me. If I had a lot of stuffed animals as a kid. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. No, I was a huge stuffed animal person as a child. So much. I had them all I mean, over my bed. I still buy, I have, I'm not like a weird stuffed animal adult, you know how some people are, but I do buy those, um, I have a small collection of, do you know what squishables are? Mm-hmm. Um, I have the, their Jersey Devil and their Gritty and nice. Baphomet and yeah. A couple others, but I feel like that's different. And I also have any stuffed Jersey Devil that's ever been amazing made. But that's also and different. I and I have no judgment against stuffed animal adults because I feel like life is really hard. Yeah, and if that and if that's the thing, you're not hurting anyone, right? You have stuffed animals. I have, I guess, podcasts. I think are what I collect <laughs> and just like cling to. It's just you know what I mean. Like that's what I tuck myself in at night with. I have a huge collection of yarn. 
Yeah, so we all like, have our thing. It's we fine. all have our things. I wonder yeah. how much of this actually ends up in the podcast. This I week. collect tote bags. Like, come on. How many tote bags full of tote bags do you have, Jody? So many. <laughs> I used to have a bad. I was able to recognize that my need to keep every bag comes from one of my mental illnesses. And I've been <laughs> able to part. I've not part with, but I've been able to stop collecting bags. Yeah. Bags and good boxes. My oh. roommate Kitsy and I will often be like, I one of us has to help the other one. Box. Be like, we going to do anything with this? This I... is a good box. Oh my God. So There's one no of the need. things I think my best friend and I really bonded over was the fact that we both appreciate containers. Mm-hmm. Like the container store. No, oh, I was just going to ask. Oh. Oh my god. Do we I can't start go a in container there. store podcast? I don't know what that would be, but I want to talk about I it. I think we should because maybe we could get them to sponsor us and they'd give us mm. free containers. That's all I've ever wanted. I love Just the container store so, so much. So much. Oh my god. All right, we are seven minutes 17 minutes into this podcast. <laughs> We're talking about the container store. And okay. this will be a good um note for our listeners when i say we're 17 minutes into this podcast they'll have a good idea of how much how much we, we talked cut. about containers yeah based on how many minutes they're into this podcast if you're also into the container store let us know um please you know. um oh also before, yeah tag us in pictures of your favorite containers oh my god Honestly? genuinely i'm not joking that's not a joke i would love that okay um before we start talking about the movie that we're here to mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to read a quick, um, I wouldn't say correction, but sort of like additional information that one of our listeners uh, sent to me, um, a friend of mine, that was unfortunately means we have to give Zach Braff a little bit more credit than we did for the Madison oh, Cabinet no. image. Oh, I know. Oh, no. I really wish that we didn't have to give him credit, but I think uh-huh. so. And this is a good point that I did not realize um, and another good point that I should have realized. The first one is that the muscle relaxer is often prescribed in tandem with lithium to prevent the tremor side effects. Okay. So it I wasn't do. just randomly thrown in there. Maybe. <laughs> I think we, I mean, I think we have to give him this. Uh, could be a happy accident. Yeah. Or it could be that it's yeah. it's commonly prescribed with lithium, which is, you know, prominently featured. But that's just the methocarbamol or... Yeah, that's what it's called. That's just one of a million, right? Also, um, and this person didn't say if this was true, but they said if the doses are different on the bottles, he's not just throwing out the old meds as his meds are adjusted. Because that's true. As someone, you know, if you've been on any yeah, psych meds, also... you know that, like, you know, you'll have, like, the 37 and a half tablets and the 75s and the yeah. 50s and like you know as they as they fluctuate to try to figure it out and i even take this is my well i'm trying to decide if i need to offer this to help zach braff's case but it is like for example my adderall i have two different doses that i take two different times a day so unfortunately I from personal experience and I'm still judging. I know. God damn it. I know. So thank you to that, that listener slash friend yeah. of mine who pointed that out. That the, is helpful information and Yeah. And I it's the especially the multiple dose thing I probably should have realized in the moment, but still it's still an image done for effect, but I think there there's justifications for the decisions. Here's what I think. I think it's an 
image done for effect that we have been able to find a justification for. I'm not necessarily ready to say that that's what Zach Braff was thinking at the time. I mean, the antibiotic is a bit of a wild card, but I think he was just like, we'll just put a bunch of bottles in and like, I under, and this See, is me I... thinking is Zach Braff. I understand they can't all be antipsychotic meds or like, uh, psychiatric meds because, and so some of them should be things like doxycycline, I guess. Yeah, but I also think that, like, if we go back to the list, which I don't want to do, some of them are pain meds, which the amount of pain meds in there, it was a bit much. That's what and I we, mean. We're, it's not implied that he has, like, a, a opiate addiction. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. it The meds don't... Um, Many of those beds don't make sense. Many no don't make sense. Slice it. Some but some do. of them, some of them do. Yes. There are reasons for some of them. So yes. That's yeah. such a good point because it's like we aren't supposed to assume that he has a drug problem. Right. We're supposed to think that his father has been over medicating him. Those yeah. are two different things. And yeah, they are. Is his dad I also didn't look to see you probably can't see who the prescribing doctor is, mm. but I would be interested to see if you can specifically the pain meds i bet yeah that's a good point that's a good point except i really want to be done with garden state yeah so i will probably look at some point but let's talk about the craft yeah it was such a such a fun experience it's like oh wait you have to do the describing this week oh that's right you have to give us a summary yeah my summary is this movie is vibes like it really <laughs> there are two ways to watch this movie and you can watch it in a way that is just vibes i was talking to someone who's a few years younger than us who is married to um a bisexual goth and who has nice. not seen the yeah exactly um well and, done yeah it's a bi wife guy and bisexual goth wife amazing so it's like they're a uh, yeah fantastic couple um but she's never seen the craft um and so he was like, should we watch it? And I was like, it's really hard to say. Also, she feels about snakes and spiders and stuff the way mm. you do. So that was like a big. But I also was, he was like, what's it about? And I was like, mm, it's kind of just like 90s witchy vibes. Like it really, like, yeah. you don't watch this movie to think about what it's about, which we are going to talk about. I know. Um, it's really the first time I've watched this movie with a critical eye in my entire life. Same. Um, it is about. Uh, Sarah, she is she's she's new in town. Um, she she and her father and his new wife um, have I actually don't know if it's his new wife. Yeah, it's implied because she calls her Jenny, but I think that might just be something she does. Yeah, they but they they move from San Francisco to L.A. She very quickly becomes friends with these three girls who are witches. Mm -hmm. um, they are looking for a fourth witch because you need a witch from each to represent each direction on the compass mm -hmm. uh, because that is how you become powerful as a witch is to form a coven of four and ask Manon mm -hmm. who is a, a fictional deity yeah. or not even deity I don't he's everything yeah he's um, a made up god <laughs> but he's like a wiccan god in this mm -hmm. he's like the wiccan god in this movie yeah um and um, each girl has her own major struggle. I will detail them quickly. Mm -hmm. um, 
Bonnie, played by Mm -hmm. the stunning, as always, Nev Campbell, even though she's supposed to be a monster in this movie. She has scars and people think she's ugly and she thinks she's ugly because of these scars. Um, We'll get into her, how they characterize her throughout the movie. Um, There is Rochelle. Her Mm -hmm. biggest issue, understandably so, is racism. There is a horrific racist in this movie played by by fucking taylor marcia brady played by marcia brady and so that's what she's dealing with there is feruza balk her biggest issue is poverty Mm -hmm. um and her gross stepfather who her mother stays with in this movie because of poverty like it um and then there's sarah whose biggest problem is i i think it's loss because like the yeah, thing that she but that's not is, what she asks for. No, no. This movie is be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. This movie is a hundred percent be careful what you wish for. So yeah. they they form this coven. She's a natural witch. It's important to mm-hmm. um, the other three have been studying witchcraft. They visit this really cool shop that I was obsessed oh, with as a kid. Me too. With this very witchy woman, Loria, yeah. um, and she's a natural witch. Though she doesn't have to study. Um, and so once they bring her in, it's sort of like it's it is implied that all four of them together become powerful. But so much of it has to do with Sarah's yeah. natural powers, kind of like uh, magnifying everybody else, mm-hmm. which it's important to note. Um, Nancy has a problem with and is jealous of. Mm-hmm. So when they form their coven, they each make a wish sort mm-hmm. of like uh, set an intention. Yeah, it's like an really- ask. Yeah, that is related to their biggest issue. So um, Bonnie asks for uh, beauty outside as well as in. Rochelle asks. It's so funny because the movie tries to do this thing where they word them in these ways that seem lovely on the outside and then it gets twisted. Yeah. Um, Rochelle asks for the like um, ability to not to hate the people who hate her i forget Mm. exactly what the wording is yeah um sarah asks for love and she says like especially from chris hooker who's Mm -hmm. the the scumbag football player bully which she knows is an issue whatever she basically casts a love spell accidentally or not accidentally not accidentally yeah yeah. um and then nancy asks for all the power of men all yeah just the 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 escalation is still funny to me exactly i want this boy to like me i want to be pretty i want to stop dealing with racist assholes i want all the power in the world all of it which is how you know that nancy is going to be our antagonist in this movie which i struggle with um i'm taking too long um but we're all fine we're almost we're almost there yeah so then all of these um things start coming true to some degree bonnie scars do disappear yeah christine taylor starts losing her hair in a really gross it's way yeah it's um and because she specifically makes a really racist comment about rochelle's hair yeah and so that's how it like manifests in christine taylor right um uh chris is obsessed with sarah um she's like able to get him to carry her books and he's sitting with him at mass instead of with the boys and he's like showing up at her house at odd hours and nancy's stepfather or whatever dies Mm -hmm. and he leaves her hundred seventy five thousand dollars, which is three hundred and forty four thousand dollars in 
2023 time, which is still a lot of money. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. It's not life changing forever. Right. It's certainly like it's either life changing for a little while or you could use that money to like be a little more comfortable for quite a while. Yeah. Um, but but whatever. Fine. Um, and then. Is that everybody? That's everybody. Then they invoke the spirit. Mm-hmm. Which the woman at the occult shop or whatever warned them against because yeah. it's very dangerous. And these are teen girls. It's important to remember these are these are teen girls who have just recently discovered these powers. Yeah, they call the corners, and while they're doing it, which is like they're invoking all the power of Menon, um, Nancy calls Menon into her body. She gets struck by lightning. Yeah, <laughs> it works, which I think is kind of cool. Like, yeah, they they wake up on the beach. And the other three girls wake up, and Nancy is literally walking on water. It is. I forgot how funny that scene was. So, like, not remember, intentionally, but no, the, it's nineteen ninety six. Graphics are not like no. the, the visuals are not great in this movie. Oof. Uh, except for the ten thousand snakes, those look really real. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> they are real. Uh, but she's so powerful, and then because of this, or I guess we find out later. I shouldn't say that yet. Then all of their spells, which seem to be working for them, start to twist. Some mm. of them in really, like, obvious ways. Like, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, Chris assaults her. He's so mm-hmm. obsessed with her. He's showing up all hours of the night. He won't leave her alone. There's one scene um, where she's on the phone and he says, you look like you need someone to talk to. Yeah. Uh, which reminds me of Scream. Scream. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he physically assaults her. He tries to he tries sexually to assault her. her. Yeah. She runs away. Yeah. Um, so that's an obvious one. Yeah. All of this starts to warp. It becomes clearly like an issue that they're all receiving what they've what they've sown or whatever, you know. Yeah. It comes back. Um, whatever they learn, whatever you put out comes back threefold, and that's what's happening. Yeah. Nancy has become so power hungry that it's becoming dangerous. People are dying. She kills Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sarah tries to bind her. She mm-hmm. does a binding spell. And but Nancy knows because she's so powerful. She and the other girls start like tormenting Sarah and visiting her in her dreams. They show up at her house and tell her that her parents, her dad and his wife have died in a in a plane crash mm-hmm. uh, she sees it on the news nancy slits sarah's wrists for real yeah um and tries to kill her and says she's gonna like because we know that sarah has previously tried to kill herself right um so nancy's plan is to kill sarah and frame it as if she killed chris and then herself mm-hmm. um sarah then calls in the power of men on the same way that nancy did but because sarah's a good witch yeah, her power. She's able to use them for good. They have a cool knockdown, dragout fight. The two of them, because Rochelle and Bonnie have run away, because Sarah glamours a mirror, does a spell on a mirror, so that they both look ugly, which is the worst thing that can happen for a sixteen-year-old uh-huh. girl. Yeah, they run away. The two of them have a knockdown, drag, da- drag, knockdown, dragout fight. Sarah is able to bind Nancy. It breaks her brain. Nancy is committed to um a hospital completely delusional yep um the last scene of the movie rochelle and bonnie show up (laughs) to ask sarah if sarah still has any powers because nancy and rochelle do not Mm -hmm. and sarah and they're like 
actually think the scene is kind of sweet in a very teen way because they're like, if you ever want to like call the corners or like yeah. whatever. Yeah. And Sarah's like, nah, I'm good. And they're like, you probably don't have any poems anyway. Yeah. And as they're walking away, <laughs> we see that Sarah is still extremely powerful. She brings in a storm and pulls a... She throws a tree branch at him. She throws a giant tree branch at them. Yeah. Um, and is like, careful, you don't want to end up like Nancy. That part's not sweet. No. Um, and that's the end of the bee. There we that's go. That's all of it. Yeah. I think I did it. You did it. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. I I just want to point out, we're talking about how they're teenagers in this movie. No one is older. I mean, no one in this movie is younger it's, than 21. If these are old women. Fruza Balk was 21. Nev Campbell was 22. Robin Tunney was 23. Rachel True was 29. <laughs> 29. Skeet Ulrich was 25. Christine Taylor was 24. And Breckenmeyer was 21. I think because of that, the like problematic elements of this movie about the way that they like, like it just the, I don't know how to explain this, but it was really the fact that this is the first time I really thought about this movie as being like, oh, these are like four young girls who want to be pretty and have boys like them. Yeah. It's and, basically like, Teen Witch, but a lot darker. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the stakes of this movie are so some of it are some of them are so big. Like people do die in this movie yeah. and like they these girls do become really powerful, but they use it in some it Yeah, I don't know. I'm more conflicted yeah. about this movie than I expected to be. Well, and so I read something not to jump to kind of the big thoughts this quickly, but I I did read something where um they're We'll talk about the remake later, but there's the remake Craft Legacy. Um, and part of the reason that Zoe Lister-Jones, like, part of her agenda with the remake was that in the original movie, the girls are kind of fighting each other. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she wanted to make a version where they support each other and the enemy is external, right? Because in this case, the enemy is external, but they go at each other instead. Right. You know, and so that was the thing I noticed this time that I didn't I didn't originally. But I think that's because teen girls are assholes, as we have established from day one. That's the thing. Like it. Like there's something. Yeah. No, this is like. As someone who we've we've talked about this, who was like really badly bullied growing up, like the girls were so much worse than the boys mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're, they're, they're fucking evil at that age. Like, especially in middle school, but even in high school, you know, it's like, I think it wouldn't have rung true to me in the 90s if they had stood by each other and it had been like a girl power coven situation. That would have been like, come on. Yeah, it's so it's I'm sure I this is what I'm struggling with, because this is a movie written by grown men. And that mm -hmm. is very obvious in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like you said, teen girls are assholes. Yeah. And like Christine Taylor being just like so, so shitty and so racist to Rochelle is not unbelievable. Not at all. Like it just it just isn't. And I do think that teen girls may be less assholes now than they were then. I do mm -hmm. think that there's been a lot of work done with like I I've known, you know, my my cousin's kids when they were teenagers were definitely not assholes in this same well, maybe they were. But it seems yeah, to me 
It's hard to say, but it seems it's, to me like there's been a lot of work done around bullying to at least sort of. I think it's a pendulum swing thing because mm. cyberbullying made. Oh, yeah. Like we just we know that it 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 was and is in many ways worse for that reason, because yeah. you can't just go home. Right. But I think because of that, it seems like and again, we're two old people who are yeah. so far removed from school. But like but also it's two people who have I don't know. I'm like. Yeah. No, I know. I feel both. I feel kind of weird about it. I do think, though, that in the 90s, like literally, if you went to your parent and said, I'm being bullied in school and your parent went to the teacher and said, my kid is being bullied, the teacher would often say, your kid needs to toughen up. Right. That's going to happen. Like, I can't do anything. Yeah, I think maybe that's. The, like, social conversation around bullying has certainly changed. Yeah. that That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I can say that because that thing actually literally happened. <laughs> My mom went and the teacher was like, eh, I mean, you know, kids are... Kids are kids. Kids are mean. Like, she right. needs to fight back. And, like, my mom was like, you can't do anything? You can't. The teacher was kind of like, no, not really. So... That's crazy. Yeah. So I do think it would be unrealistic to expect a movie from the 90s to have sort of the, like, girls supporting each other vibe that we mm-hmm. want to put on it from 2023. Right. Yeah, that never stuck out to me. No. Before. Mm-hmm. So. I really, like, felt for Nancy this time through in a big way in a big way yeah her level of like poverty and what she's dealing with is so extreme like she's literally she comes in from the rain and it's still raining in her house her house i know yeah no i felt the same way i also felt like i mean a lot of been has been said already about feruza balk's performance in this i think that this movie doesn't get anywhere near the attention that it did without how amazing she is in this she's great but i think it's she gets a lot of attention for the sort of like over the top like really dramatic scenes but the subtle moments where you can see on her face the sort of like the jealousy the the being Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with what she looks like and Mm -hmm. and you know the bravado that she's trying to project to cover all of that up right she plays that so well Mm -hmm. like it that is what really made me feel for her was like not the sort of dramatics of it but like you can see how hard she's trying yeah to put on this face of like fuck you all i don't care and it's like you know she cares i have a question yeah what kind of school are they attending? It's a Catholic school. It's not a public school. No, it's a Catholic school. Are they? Can I it, can I blow your mind? This is just, this is never, I, I don't know why. I do know what made me think of this, which is how is she so poor and going to that school? Catholic school in Jersey is exp- Scholarships. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. I knew okay. I knew kids without a lot of money that would go to Catholic school. Okay. Because they would get some sort of scholarship of some kind. Um, Do you think her mom and stepdad are uh, like true? Is, is Nancy applying for a scholarship? Yeah, that's a fair point. I don't know, but I need to tell you something. What? Um, 
the high school used as a location. Do you know what else it was used for? No. Heather's. Oh, that's so good. Do you know what else it was used for? <laughs> what else? Better off dead. It's one of those. It's one of those schools, huh? Verdugo Hills High School. Uh, Better off dead. Not another teen movie. Christine. Um, but most importantly, Heather's. Heather's. Oh, I love that. I love to know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a Catholic school by uh, like in real life. So they made right. it. A, they made it a Catholic school. That it's was... just a big, beautiful yeah. campus yeah. that is crazy. Yeah. Very California high school. Yeah. I was so excited when I saw that. What is the most important part of this movie for you to talk about? Truly what it did for teen witches. Okay. Okay. Wait, I have a question before. What about you? Okay. okay. No, I have a question about this. Did teen witches grow up into rock women? Like women that carry rocks around? I don't believe in witchcraft. I, I believe in rocks. <laughs> But I am a magpie, and I know that I am because of the craft. Yeah. Because all I wanted when I was – and I didn't believe in it when I was a kid, but you bet your ass me and my three best friends had a four – quote, unquote, we call it the Four Corners Club. Like, we – I remember I have very specific memories of going to the local library after – saying I was in fifth grade when this movie came out. Ugh. Going to the local library after this movie came out and, like, surreptitiously checking out books about witchcraft. And the thing about it is, like – my mom didn't give a shit what I was reading. I was yeah. very unsupervised as we've learned. But for some reason, it felt like a level of rebellion to secretly check out the witchcraft books, mm -hmm. like in a way that I think is very formative to like just me as a person, as a child. Yeah. And I still like, yeah, I am a rock person. I'm also like, shout out to uh, the Lunar Fair, which is this. Oh, Yeah local new jersey really run twice someday. monthly new moon full moon night fair run by a coven of witches in new jersey amazing and i love them so much and they do these uh subscription boxes they're not subscription boxes doesn't matter they do these like uh mail order boxes where they will send you just cool shit and again i don't practice witchcraft yeah but i buy the box every time it comes out because That's i awesome. love i love the stuff and yeah. it's it is a direct line from this movie so yeah. to answer your question uh in one word yes yes so i'm currently not on the east coast um and i went to like a state park with a friend of mine last week and you bet i brought home a rock yeah you did like there was okay it was really cute though so there's this river out where i'm at that's a very like wide flat river and when you go to the state park, there's a collection of um, like flat skipping stones mm -hmm. with a little sign and like a it shows you how to skip stones. And there's just a collection Aww. of good skipping stones, which I thought was the sweetest thing ever. That I means that, like and when other people are there, they look for little skipping stones and, put and them add the them to the. Oh, I love that. That's so nice. Yeah. So I took a stone. Yeah. I wasn't supposed to do that, but whatever. I think that's fine. Yeah. So the river will keep making them. Yeah. <laughs> But I, so I was obviously not in fifth grade when this movie came out. I was 21. Um, but I was either working at the video store or at Barnes and Noble. And I think I was at the video store, but then a, about six months later was at Barnes and Noble. And I definitely would spend quiet times in the store 
in the witchcraft aisle mm-hmm. looking at books mm-hmm. of spells and it was when i got really into astrology and um yeah i was definitely past the stage of my life where i would have suddenly gone into like a goth phase i was right. more the like crystal hippie deadhead at that age but it's all but it's all in the same universe yeah my like little group of four friends who again were the four corners club um did you even did you wait did you each have an element yeah yeah i don't remember specific but we were we were lined up based on who we were most like it wasn't Uh, like a which element we were we were most like because we were obsessed with the movie that's what got us into the rest of it and that's what i was going to say is my friend who was the nancy of the Mm -hmm. group was also our more like goth friend she was also the friend who like in our breakdown of like the music we listened to, she was our Marilyn Manson friend. She like, yeah, she was obsessed, and but I was always more. What which happened? One were you? Oh, I was Sarah because I was the most like. You were the, the good witch. I was the good witch, but I was, but it's because I was also the least like. I've always been this one. I've always been the one who's on the edge of whatever trouble people were getting into. Yeah. Like it, so it it was more that, but yeah. I also, but is way was way more like. Uh, like into buying like candles and cool crystals and shit like you were saying yeah. that I would have been into the more like wearing upside down crosses and dressing in all black yeah it just so and casting spells so that people fall out of windows exactly exactly yeah yeah but it, awesome. it is this movie so it's like the fact that this movie and Empire Records came out the same year right one or after one, the yeah. other what like directly after the other empire records and then this yeah about a year right because i think empire records is on the or or the craft is on is like a coming soon to home video trailer for on the empire records vhs i think Hmm. um i think i think that's right um and yeah because robin tunney had to wear that horrible wig the wig is so bad it's really they couldn't have given her bangs something it like is, that hairline yeah like there, there's a lot they could have done to unwig that wig it is bad yeah um, it's really bad um so there's actually <laughs> i love research i found a, <laughs> a time article uh-huh. um about the legacy of the craft and it's like the rise of uh teens interested in witchcraft mm. after it came out um because there was a huge huge surge well it's funny we were not alone think of that like genre as just kind of like it's always been around but it really hasn't and it did start with this because like maybe i'm gonna spoil what you're gonna say so we could cut this but like buffy charmed sabrina the teenage witch all of that is post the craft right well and so there's this whole thing that um about charmed having ripped off the craft um it's the same fucking it's literally the same theme song it's the same font too is Uh, it uh uh-huh i've never noticed that yeah wow the creators of the craft have noticed it that Um, is blatant it's blatant so i just want to i know everybody loves when i read things um but i just want to read this little bit from the time article because i think Mm -hmm. it centers the conversation um so 
it says the craft appeared at a moment of almost eerie cultural synchronicity. The seventies had offered a smorgasbord of films and TV shows with occult topics like the exorcist and circle of fear, but the eighties was curiously devoid of them, partly due perhaps to the rising profile of Jerry Falwell's moral majority, which crusaded Mm -hmm. against drug drug use and Hollywood heathenry. Uh, Simultaneously, the satanic panic roughly spanning the late 1980s through the mid nineties was characterized by virulent rumors of satanic ritual abuse, including sexual assault, impregnation, and even sacrifice of infants to the devil. Many of the narratives resemble scenes from the 1968 film, Rosemary's Baby. Oh, yeah. Virtually all of these stories were debunked following an FBI task force investigation, which published its findings in 1992, but not before the panic spread via mass media, and many lives were ruined by false accusations. One more bit. I just skipped a paragraph because the next part says, although the satanic panic had largely wound down by the start of the 90s, hints of it appeared in the media that came after. The decade that saw a number of iconic occult-themed narratives with two especially influential textbooks book ending the decade, 1990s surreal cerebral twin peaks, informed by Tibetan mysticism, Jungian symbolism, and Native American folklore, and 1999's indie phenomenon, The Blair Witch Project, a hyper-real yet psychological terror that conjured deep-seated fears of witches in the woods. In between, the burgeoning interest ushered in a new world of online fringe communities and subcultures, including the contemporary witchcraft movement, which would come to have a significant influence on Hollywood storytelling. So... I do think that, like, this shit doesn't come out of nowhere, right? That's right. kind of what I'm what I'm trying to get at with all this all this reading is like, there's a lineage, and for anyone that's interested in the satanic panic itself, the podcast you're wrong about, um, by Sarah Marshall, she is writing a book on the satanic panic, and she does go oh, into cool. it quite a bit, um, in various episodes of that podcast, which is awesome, um. So it does really um, kind of fit into where society was at the moment. Um, It also says, like, the craft dropped right into this teeming cauldron of witch narratives, soon to be followed by Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Practical Magic. What set the craft apart from these more light-hearted stories was the rather dark trajectory of its storyline. This was no comedy or fairy tale, but a bona fide horror movie. So, like, I think that's why it appealed to so many of the people that I knew, Mm -hmm. you know, because it was like you know lighthearted it's... witchery was not the vibe in the 90s it was like you know pump of the volume but witches <laughs> or heathers but witches witches yeah i do just it's funny because i didn't even when i was a kid it this movie didn't feel like a horror movie to me though no me it either. just felt cool yeah <laughs> like, it just kind of felt like these girls are cool <laughs> like and yeah. maybe that's bad yeah no it was relatable right Mm -hmm. like everybody i mean maybe not everybody but like the slut shaming of skeetologist the character chris that was real right there's always the weird girl that gets picked on by the like football players but also Mm. like he secretly like sleeps with her like there's all of this stuff that just really rang true to like it really is high school experience that's what it is i think it doesn't feel like a horror movie to me it feels like a high school movie a high school movie with witches yeah that's exactly that's exactly right a 90s high school movie with witches yeah yeah and it's so cool (laughs) (laughs) it also it like i i said before you started reading the article that it 
that there's all this witch stuff that is post the craft and that's true Mm -hmm. but as also as you kind of pointed out it is like witch stuff has been around obviously forever like that's not you know i'm not but it is just a different approach and the idea of it being like empowering for the women practicing it Mm -hmm. is definitely yeah well and so interestingly craft yeah and interestingly because you know you mentioned this movie was uh directed by andrew fleming and co-written by peter filardi um to not female witches uh to white men um there's some things about that that are sort of noticeable but i would say that um not as much as i would expect yeah from that and i think part of that i read an interview with the two of them as well as one of the producers um and like the co-writer was so rewind the co-writer peter filardi had previously worked on flatliners mm-hmm. right and it, he, in the interview he says at the time i was immersed in the world of teen satanism and that volatile cocktail of hallucinogens metal and magic i knew a lot about how magic worked and where it came from i had become fascinated by ricky casso a pioneer in teen satanism so like he's into this shit or was at the time this is not just like i want to make this movie about teen witches it's like he he's really he says i remember telling doug who was one of the producers um that magic is historically a weapon of the underclass it was originally practiced by people of the heath or whatever or heathens poor people without the power of a king army or church behind them our characters could not be popular, beautiful overlords of their school. For real magic to work, they would have to be but outsiders. But you cast Nev Campbell. So, I know. I mean, let's... Yeah. Real magic requires need, right? So he's actually, you know... I he, like that. I do, too. I, he really, like, had his... You and I are suckers, though, for anybody I who know. can frame a conversation of being like, actually, it's about the underdog. Actually, it's about poor people. Actually, <laughs> it's about history. Yeah. And I've done my like... research. <laughs> Yeah. No, I know. Uh, I also read that they uh they worked with I'm trying to they worked with like an a like a Wiccan practitioner. Um it's referred to as a witch consultant in this article. <laughs> that rules. That yes. rules. So yeah, they had a, a witch consultant. <laughs> uh Pat Devon. She's credited in the movie as a technical consultant, but she was really there to make it real. Um, he says, I wanted real Wiccans to see it and say, that's not offensive to me. That's kind of what it's like. The whole idea was to make up stuff because the God they refer to in the movie is something we made up because it might've been offensive to people if we'd use people's real gods. But yeah, so they had the, um, and like the power itself isn't inherently bad and they make it a point to say that the mm -hmm. issue is how Nancy abuses it. Right. Right. Like all, all of that is like at the forefront of the Mm -hmm. conflict of this movie it's not about uh witchcraft being inherently evil yeah yeah and on the screenplay itself he didn't use a quote-unquote witch consultant that was when they got to the movie part um he this is interesting his list of references he says i used scott cunningham's book earth power as one of my touchstones goddesses and every woman by gene bolin joseph campbell's power of myth 
And then he says, Holes lived through this was spot on for me musically while writing The Craft. It's that raw power of adolescent pain. I still think of The Craft whenever I hear doll parts or softer softest. Apologies to Courtney Love. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. This is another movie. I know that all movies do that. Like, no, I know that many movies do this and oftentimes it is intentional and sometimes it is just because we understand how story beats are supposed to work but this is another one that you could plot on that you could like mark out on a plot chart like her like they she literally rejects the call at one point early on in the movie when they invite her out and she says no like she has the older guide in Mm loria like it just is it's another one where you kind of know every beat that this movie is going to it's a hero's journey big time big time and so to have him name check it that directly is is really fun yep um they also the same article says it's talking about how this is like a high school movie um but as much and as much as it's about like witchcraft and the theme of witches that was really prevalent at the time it says if anything the movie was a spiritual extension of carrie and the breakfast club two huh. films that tackled the social stratification of high school and heathers a dark comedy that turned wealth into a blood sport so like i i think that all of the things that we're responding to and did respond to at the time were super intentional by the writer and by the director andy fleming mm-hmm. um both of them were aiming for what like what we responded to in it really intentionally. It is. We've watched a lot of high school movies. Yes. um, And most of them aren't. mm, No, that's not true. And some of them are high school movies and some of them are what if high school movie, but, and this is obviously a what if high school movie, but, um, and so thinking about all of those different themes that come up, even down to like, in just about every one of them, that we've that we've chosen anyway maybe not every one of them but in so many of them how they talk about self-harm and suicide Mm -hmm. like so so much about the era that it was made yeah Um, yeah i think it's it's really matter of factly stated that you Mm -hmm. know sarah tried to kill herself before she came to la yeah and they're kind of like that's a scene where i really actually like nancy because Mm -hmm. she says it and then nancy like she jokingly says punk rock but it's not in like a she doesn't it's not like in a teasing or like mean way at that point it's kind of like in a okay like that's fine like and i think she sees something in sarah in that moment yeah like relatable to her situation yeah that desperation until nancy asks for all the power of mental and starts like you know making people fall out of windows and think that their families have died tragically in in plane crashes i really love nancy she's like she's that's what make so, her a bad guy <laughs> like truly and like that scene especially I, she's just so like <sighs> it's and she puts her arm around her and it kind of like they walk off that's right after nev campbell uh bonnie says um you did it the right way <laughs> yeah she, yeah exactly you did it the right way and like the way that she approaches her when she's watching Chris play football. It's right before this, where they Mm -hmm. kind of like take her in. She's really sweet there and just kind of like open and honest. She says like, like, you know, Chris spreads a disease. I know from personal experience, she's like, she just, she just, I think of all four of them, she weirdly feels the most like an actual person, Mm. like a real person in this movie. I, I would say that I think the other two feel like real people. I think that to me, Nancy feels 
like she has a compassion that the other two lack maybe yeah and like yeah teen girls that have no compassion are also realistic (laughs) um but yeah I know it's what you mean. It's so funny that Bonnie's problem in this movie is that she gets She's hot and then is enough. conceited. Yeah. It's like Nancy yeah. kills her stepfather. He deserves it. Mm-hmm. And then becomes so power hungry that she starts killing people and running red lights and whatever. <laughs> like Rochelle Relatable. is dealing with straight up. And I don't want to. Now I feel like I'm minimizing what, what Bonnie was going through with her scars. But like. No, but I think part of it is that it's Nev Campbell. Like, they, I texted you right when this movie started, or when you started it, that, like, the funniest thing to me in this movie is they try to make Nev Campbell not hot in the beginning by giving her, like, greasy hair and layering lots of black clothing on her. And I'm like, Nev Campbell is it's just not Nev gonna... Campbell. Yeah. And it doesn't that, like, work. The difference, that's the other thing, too, is that she shows up with her after her scars have gone away and the only difference is that like her hair is clean and she it's very much uh, she's all that they took her glasses yeah. off and now everybody knows she's hot yeah yeah she's not wearing as many layers and he, she brushed her hair like yeah that's the only and difference. it turns her into an asshole but mm-hmm. it's also like she's also not that bad yeah <laughs> like it's she's no the, just... she's the only time she gets really awful is in the sequence at the end where all four of them kind of come at her, you know, right, but and it's because she doesn't want this new slit her throat or also to lose. God. Well, she doesn't want the, I feel like we're supposed to believe that the reason that she goes along with Nancy at the end is because she doesn't want to lose what she's gained. You know, right. she doesn't want to go back. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah, exactly. So I think we should talk a little bit about, um, Rochelle and Rachel Mm -hmm. True, um, the actor that played her, Mm -hmm. just because, you know, her whole conflict is that is racism, right? Which is, you know, real thing, obviously. Yes. Um, But I do think it's interesting. I read a couple of interviews with her, with the actor. um, And, you know, the racism didn't quite end at the movie unfortunately um so i just want to i just want to kind of put this on people's radar that like where is it here we go um so she's talking about how the four of them were treated after the movie came out Mm -hmm. and she was left out of a lot of stuff she was left out a lot of publicity she said there's a publicity junket that they were only going to take the three other three girls <gasps> to. And she said at the time, 20 years ago, Whoa. yeah, she said, I was like, oh, it's me. It must be me. And now I realize it wasn't me. It was marketing. They didn't really think it was going to get a black audience is my guess. That would never happen today. Um, if you have four leads in a movie, you will take all four leads. Yeah. Um, there's she, no way to like what's crazy about that is how overt. Like, mm-hmm. what could they have said at the time that wasn't just, we don't want to bring the black lead? Yeah. Like, I don't, how, how did they justify it then? Well, it, and they didn't, but basically she did eventually get added to the junket because the other three girls said, you need Fucking to bring good. her. Yeah. 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 But then the next year, Fruza, Robin, and Nev were all in the MTV Movie Awards and she was not. <gasps> and she says, granted, those girls had all worked more than me at the, at the time. I just said, oh, it's probably because Fruza's is known oh. and Nev is on a TV show. I'm kind of 50-50 on it. It's also that they were white. Like, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's no you can't and it's like yeah they did work more and probably that's also because Racism. they were white like mm-hmm. it's not yeah no it well, was also and i read she's wait one more thing she said when they did the read through she had a scene with her with her parents upper class middle upper middle class dodgy parents we shot it but it ended up being cut from the film which i was a little bummed about because i was like wait all the other girls get parents i don't get parents just gonna say we see everybody else's home life and she says and this is 20 years ago so then i said listen you're black and you're in the movie that's pretty good already so yeah and i read that the her con like it's the, when they when they were casting this movie, they didn't say we want three white leads and one black lead. No, they, she was supposed they, to be a white anorexic. That was going to be and, her problem. And then when they cast Rachel True, they rewrote it. And yep. it's like, on the one hand, it's like, well, yeah, that is something that especially in in a school like that with those kinds of students, it is very likely that that is something she would have encountered and that that would have been an an issue for her at a school like that. Right. Um, Especially her being, it seems the only black student at that school, Yep. um, which in the real world might also have been pretty similar. So it's not that, but it is also like, Oh, so now that you've cast a black actor, her whole story comes down to that one characteristic. So it is, it, it is like a, a kind of mixed bag there. Yeah. Of like, well, thank you for not totally ignoring the fact that you're like, you've, there's only one black, black student at the school, but also, but also, you know, it's like, Oh, is that the only problem that she could have possibly had? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought it was sad and also not surprising that there was, uh, a little it bit of bums, that in the real world too. It like weirdly bums me out that she feels bad for because there's in the you see Christine Taylor's progression and in the first scene where her hair is falling out, uh Rochelle's kind of like, cool. Like Yeah. She's like a little shocked by it, but she doesn't seem super remorseful. But in the scene where you find Christine Taylor sobbing in the her name is Laura Lizzie, which is such a good mean mm-hmm. girl's name. Uh, Laura's like sobbing in the shower and she looks like she's lost so much of her hair and it's like patchy and it yep. looks painful. And you see that Rochelle feels remorse for her. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I know. But also fuck that girl. But her wording is when she asks for when they, you know, make their little coven, her her wording is something like, like, allow me to. I forget exactly what the wording is, yeah. but it's like, it's basically like, I want to feel bad for this girl who hates me. And right. it, and so that's what happens. Like, yeah, that's how that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I'm, hmm. I like the fact, I hate that this happened to Rachel True, but I like the fact that she's pretty outspoken about it and has been. When talking about Charmed, so we brought up that Charmed has like the same font and the same song. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, uh, Rachel True said, I have a love-hate thing with Charmed because that's clearly a craft ripoff. They use the same song and the same font. Also, leave it to Aaron Spelling to make them all sisters so they didn't even have to have an ethnic character. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Not wrong. I think it. I think I just thought that everybody knew and was like, the Charmed thing is crazy because Mm -hmm. I think in my head, because they use the theme song, because it's so obviously, I don't think I thought of it as a ripoff. I thought of it as like, uh, like, 
like an homage or yeah yeah like that, that somehow i didn't actively think this but that somehow the craft was like involved that like the creators of the craft were somehow involved Mm-mm. with it nope nope there's definitely some uh but then how feelings. do you use the same theme song it's I know. and and then be like no it's not it's mm-hmm. not it's not a ripoff yep so crazy it's another incredible soundtrack While oh we're talking my about god the theme song, it's it is so good yeah. do you want to talk about that a little bit uh yeah go it's, for it so um tomorrow never knows which is uh it's an our lady peace it's a cover so it's it's a we know we have a history of of uh um appreciating a good cover yes yes we do on this show back mm-hmm. to our yellow jackets yeah. days which we'll be getting back to someday soon someday but Hopefully. we will but we yes, will it's coming back they're um, writing they're writing away so uh so there's so there's the our lady peace cover that is that is great but then it's just to run through and then there's also of course the morrissey fuck that guy there's the smith's cover by love spit love which in my head is because of this movie because i got to this movie when i was so young it was before i even knew who the smiths were this is the version of this song for me yeah no i i i kind of agree with you there it's so good mm-hmm. but then just to run through and then there's also a peter gay real cover i have the touch so there are three great really great covers in this and i'm yeah. picky about covers but i think they're all fantastic but it's our lady peace sponge letters to cleo matthew sweet juliana hatfield jewel um <laughs> space hog like it is just it's crazy it's a great how, soundtrack it's so good and it's so 90s it's yeah it's basically like as i've been working in the studio while i i'm at this artist residency i my all of my movie uh, all of my music has been very 90s oriented i feel like i've basically been listening to like the pump up the volume soundtrack and the craft soundtrack kind of nonstop. They're so good. You got to throw Empire Records in there. It's also perfect. Yeah. It's also, if you just run through the titles, I, I read the artists, but it's, I'm just looking at them straight down and it's tomorrow never knows. I have the touch all this and nothing dangerous type. How soon is now dark secret, Witch's song <laughs> jump into the fire under the water warning spastica, the horror. And then I think this is an original um, composition for the movie bells, books and candles. Oh. By Revel Graham, by Revel Graham or Graham Revel, which is, uh, I think it's Graham Revel. Uh, it's just like, you know how we said that Garden State, that Zach Braff sent that soundtrack along with the script and that was a big yeah. part of it. I feel like if you found that out for this movie as well, you'd be like, yeah, obviously. Yeah, like, no, The whole totally. movie is in that soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, the soundtrack it's not to the point where it saves the movie like it kind of does in Garden State, but it mm-hmm. feels like it's kind of inextricable from it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, there's a couple of... So did you know the uh, alternate casting for this movie? The people that were considered for the parts of Sarah? Uh, I, I looked a little bit, but not a lot, and I'd love to hear more. So Wait, there were... let's, let's do that again. No, tell me more. <laughs> There were there were three big ones. Uh, Angelina Jolie was considered. Huh. Um, she did Foxfire for Sarah. For Sarah, all of these I think were for Sarah. I could be wrong, but that was that was what I read. Uh, Angelina Jolie. Another person that came in was Scarlett Johansson, huh. who was twelve at the time. Um, Alicia Silverstone. 
Alicia Silverstone was another one. She had just shot Clueless, but it hadn't come out yet. All of them were mostly scheduling conflicts, I think, for the reasons that they didn't end up in it. But Wow, I'm spinning out because I think, what was the movie that Angelina Jolie... She did Foxfire instead. Oh, she, oh, 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 we, yes. That we watched and they were like, she was too good. Like she would have out. Yeah. Oh, Empire Records. Wasn't yeah. she in I the think it was Empire for, Records. Yep. for Liv's part maybe? Yep. yep. But she was like too. Yeah, she was too intense. And, and I kind of feel like that would have been the case here. Like if you had told me she tried out, she auditioned for uh, Nancy. Uh-huh. Yes. But, but that might be because we have her in hindsight. And I know her as the woman who drinks her like uh partner's the, blood and stuff yes so, like, yes and carried around that, uh billy bob thornton's blood in a vial yeah yeah and like but also girl interrupted so and the girl inter yeah um so that's hard to say but the did guess, you uh, oh go ahead i'm just working through these in yeah, my head i can't no, even please. think about scarlett johansson because like you she said was she was 12. 12 i don't know what that would have been and i think she's kind of scarlett johansson is kind of like blank slate to me yeah. like i don't really have a feeling about her as an actor in any direction so whatever i think alicia silverstone is an interesting one mm -hmm. i think i think it could have worked she's i guess so share in my head that it's hard yeah. but i i really love her i think she's really like charming and i think she can because the thing with sarah is that she is she's like kind of a loner she's a little more introverted she's like less like she's kind of a plain girl yeah exactly you know? um and so i think i think i could see alicia silverstone doing that but yeah. she's just so shared to me well the reason that it ended up being robin tunney did you read this that that uh the casting director needed somebody to come in and read with the girls they'd already casted no cast? but i love stories like this yeah so the casting director, um, I think it's Pam Dixon, asked knew um, Robin Tunney and asked her to come in to read against the girls that they'd already um, been testing. Just to be there. Mm -hmm. And then when everyone saw the test, they said, oh, wow, wait, you know, maybe I it wonder be her. if Pam Dixon had it in her head. Because you hear so many stories like this where a casting director or a producer or somebody will have someone in mind that people, they know that people won't consider. And so they do it sneaky like this. I yeah. think that's also how Ben Schwartz got sonic the hedgehog <laughs> i think they were like that from oh, i'm God. a big ben schwartz fan um <laughs> not a big sonic the hedgehog fan no i don't care uh but but that story just stuck out to me as like they brought i'm almost positive that like whoever wrote the movie maybe brought him in just because they needed someone to like yeah and like that like, type well, hold on a minute yeah yeah she, apparently she that, came in to read with a pixie cut obviously because she had uh been shaved she'd shaved her head for empire records uh -huh. so the ending of this movie with nancy in the mental hospital in restraints being medicated and talking about how she's flying mm -hmm. um how did you feel about the ending that bit then or now or both then at the time i didn't it didn't really make like a I just don't think I, I think it feels like such a punchline mm. almost or mm -hmm. at least did at the time. And now it's I was thinking about how unfair it is. I know that we're supposed to think that like her quest for power and what she did with it and all is outsized compared to the other girls. And that's why she gets punished with yeah. a life in uh, like 
her whole life is gone is like done and gone yeah now like she has like they her brain is fully broken Mm -hmm. uh and the other girls just get their power taken away and sarah does not does not at all yeah um yeah so i yeah at the time i didn't think anything of it really i was like kind of i was so i think afraid of what nancy became because Mm -hmm. i because I had experienced such cruelty at the hands of other girls that I was like, right. yeah, like oh fuck. God, f- could you imagine if they also had supernatural powers? Yeah, exactly. So in my brain at the time, I would think I was probably like, fuck that girl, like put her in the yeah, she... psych hospital forever. As a kid, she just feels like the antagonist. She feels like the villain in this movie when you're, you know, but a person, you know, now as an adult thinking about the history of um, women being punished for for various uh transgressions by being put yeah. in mental hospitals by their husbands uh or which by we've society, talked about which we've talked about yep yep and the fact that you know bringing up angelina jolie in girl interrupted she mm-hmm. is basically medicated into or, or actually not medicated um given in the movie so much ect that she is basically unable to function anymore mm-hmm. um there's a, a vulture article about the legacy of this movie that says that Nancy ends up crazed and strapped to a bed in a mental institution is a painful reminder that for women like her who refuse to fit any mold of femininity, society affords mm-hmm. them power is illusory and second chances are an impossibility. Right. That Nancy's fate is such a prosaic retrograde handling of a mentally ill, intensely iconoclastic women's narrative undercuts the compassion of the rest of the film. I like to imagine a different ending, one in which the coven stays together and Nancy finds hope within their sisterhood and a better use for her abilities. So that is kind of how I look at it now. Um, but also the fact that, you know, so many women over hundreds of years have either been forced into institutions or, you know, in the original sort of witch hysteria, like burned. Right. You know. Yeah. And, it's and n- it, hunted. Yeah. It's not the most it's like it's an unsatisfying ending and it it is a failing of this movie i think but it's not totally like outlandish at exactly all. exactly um, apparently the writer the peter filardi i think it's peter that was one of the, the co-writer of this movie mm-hmm. um had a different ending originally oh and he will not talk about it oh he will not tell people because he doesn't want to uh, sort of besmirch the movie itself. Like, he's Whoa. not unhappy with the movie, but he does say, like, the original ending was different. I've never really gone into the detail of what the original ending was. It was just different. Do you um, think he kills her? Do you think Nancy dies at the end of the of his... I don't know. He's Well, so what he says is, um, and apparently he really doesn't like talking about it, but he says, so let's see. Well, Chris always died. And it was just very different. He hesitates. I don't really get into it because there's no real sense. It is what it is. Um, I always like in a movie having two different children, you love them both for different reasons. But I would never, I would have never wanted to be hard on the girls in the final analysis in any way thematically. I don't know what that means. But there was a different ending in the original uh, idea. So I don't know if maybe it's that he found the ending harsh on her the way he talks about this movie and the way he talks about coming up with the ideas in this movie he seems extremely sympathetic 
to the women in this movie and their place in society. He talks about how this came from his, um, you know, his experience and wanting to show women as empowered. So I don't know. I mean, my, I'm totally guessing, but to me, maybe that ending was not his idea. Huh? That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Cause he talks so much about how he wanted to empower the women in this movie. And that definitely does not, that takes away the power at the end. It's funny that he says that. And then only one of them is left with any power at the end. And one of them is left institutionalized for the rest of her life. Yeah. I also can't help but draw the parallel between this and a movie that we might watch at some point, Return to Oz. Um, Hmm. It's uh, Fruza Balk. It's like one of her first, it might be her first movie, um, but it's definitely her first lead. She's, She's young. And she she plays Dorothy Gale after coming back from her Mm. first trip to Oz. It's called return to Oz for a reason. Um, And her family thinks she's crazy for talking about going to Oz and not thinking it was a dream. Um, And they send her to a hospital for ECT and something happens, which triggers sending her back to Oz. Um, But it is, I haven't seen that and I do do need to watch it at some point. I think it, 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 it's like, you know it's a weird 80s movie um but also there's some stuff that is actually like worth talking about i think so at some point we will yeah um, especially because there are all these parallels yeah um, i mean i think it's worth also link- linking to this vulture article because it does talk about yeah. um there's a quote from it that says it taps into the primal american feel fear of female power and what happens when women are alone together forming hothouse bonds that seem to only occur in adolescence in ways that are both profound and contradictory liberating and limiting so do do we want to talk a little bit about the um this sequel I guess I I think um, sequel is I think we should talk about it a little bit. I before we do that I really quickly want to bring up the very small queer undertones in this movie. <laughs> the idea of the very close friendships these four women have um and the fact that uh Fruza Balk's character is canonically bisexual is she so this is from a vice article i've read way too many articles about this movie um (laughs) but it says that um it's implied that she's bisexual she says quote unquote i love a woman in uniform um when she's talking about i know i know but also when the four try light as a feather stiff as a board um there's the whole joke about you know this is so funny these are the scenes i think of as like what makes me like her so much and makes me feel like she's a real person and just kind of talks the way that like like girls will talk but there's maybe a, i'm there's not a hand gesture in that she scene. she says yeah she it's not even just a hand gesture she says yeah. um uh, Sarah's like you put your fingers under mm-hmm. her and she says you put your fingers where yeah which is so i just think that's like a funny yeah but it I, seems but she's overtly me, sexual in this movie in a way that the others aren't also. But listen, we by now know I want to read bisexual undertones into any movie that or queer undertones into any movie that we watch. And this movie is a hundred percent a queer awakening for many women. Mm. Um I, I was I I wouldn't necessarily call that this for this movie for me. No, neither. Um, but it but I know that it is. But I and so I think there is an argument to be made for Nancy's queerness. But I take it more that like she's 
her whole the whole thing with her is that she's a little more open a little more wild a little more sexual yeah and that's what she's because that hand gesture not to be whatever but like that's like that you know you know what i mean like yeah but but also this is 1996 like that was pretty radical for the time Mm -hmm. like just the way that she's behaving and the joking about it like it wasn't super common let's say no no not at all but i don't know that i guess i don't know i just yeah Yeah. well some people think that she's canonically bisexual which i think is interesting i guess it's the canon part of it that i am yeah pushing against i think you can sense. read her i think you can you read, can read queerness in her character yeah yeah i wonder if you ask andrew what's his name feldman zimmerman andrew <laughs> excuse me it's not uh, andrew zimmerman so there's there's the director andrew fleming and there's the writer peter filardi i would guess if you asked uh peter filardi and andrew fleming fleming God, I would guess if you ask, I I wonder if you ask Peter Fullardi and Andrew Fleming about yeah. whether or not she's canonically bisexual. Probably what they would not, say. but right. yeah, I think it's one of those. Uh, ooh, can we bring up the dissertation? It's one that in that <laughs> dissertation would be sort of referred to in that realm of movies that queer people have read queerness into, mm-hmm. which is important. I, I'm pushing against that because I think it can take away from the like inherent sort of like uh power is a little over the top kind of word but like agency and like empowering nature of reading queerness into spaces where it wasn't originally sure and so to be able so to give the movie that of being like actually we meant it all along is a little bit of jk rowling trying to pretend that hermione was black (laughs) that she wrote hermione to be black as opposed to black readers saying hermione is one of us that's fair and i mean that is you know the dissertation that i'm bringing up if you're not a regular listener of ours and just (laughs) found us because you love the craft um is by lynn stahl it's a dissertation um called unhappy medium uh filmic tomboy narrative and queer feminist spectatorship uh and it's fantastic it's great it is more i think that i think you're right that it's more being read into by queer people than originally meant to be queer Mm. um because yeah the craft is sort of a queer movie but made that way by queer people right um yeah i guess we should talk a little bit about the sequel um which came out i think in 2020 oh before we do that real quick fun fact can i can i throw you a fun fact yeah throw me a fun fact okay so the one of the producers of this movie a man named doug wick um the witches of Dugwick. Yes. Doug Wick. The bitches of Eastwick is funny. It's great. Um, apparently he brought his daughters to the showing that they did at the Hollywood Cemetery a few years ago. His daughters oh. who are now in, uh, were at their tw- in their 20s at this point. They were the little girls on the bus. His daughters. Oh, the cute. little blonde girls that are yeah, staring at them. That, that Nancy gives the dirty look to over her cool, tiny little sunglasses. Yep. Yep, those were daughter, oh, the daughters that. of the producer who uh, he brought to the screening oh, uh, in their cute. 20s. That's so nice. Yeah, just a fun little fun fact. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Should we, we'll talk about the uh, reboot. I feel like I I don't know too much what to say about it because neither of us have actually watched it. You watched, you said the last 10 minutes. I, watched I read the a full synopsis of the movie okay. 
and I watched the last like 10 minutes. Okay. So there will be spoilers here. Um, yeah. So. I mean, uh, I don't think most people are probably watching their reboot. I. Or if they, it's, it was, yes. Or if they were, would have watched it by mm-hmm. now is my guess. Yeah. Um, oh, but... wait, I'm sorry. I know I keep interrupting, but there's no. like a few little things that I wanted to make sure to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an article um, for E! Online that says, and I don't know if this is true, but there is a deleted scene mm-hmm. where Sarah goes to visit Nancy in the hospital Oh, in, attempt, in an attempt to heal her after the fight scene. Huh. Do with that what you will. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't know if it would have been better or worse to have it in there. but Well, I don't like the word attempt. I think if she went yeah. and healed her, right. that right, might right, have right. been actually cool to see. Yeah. But, I, but my guess is the scene would have been she goes to heal her and it doesn't work because yeah. Nancy was so far gone out of, and, and, yeah. and out of line for attempting to right. use Manal's power for evil yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's from one of those like 25 bewitching secrets about the craft. Oh. It's cute that they're watching Bewitched at one point, by the way. Yes, it, Just, it is. That's very cute. I love that whole slumber party vibe, the mm-hmm. uh, light as a feather, uh, stiff as a board. Yeah. Despite the fact that they're all 45-year-old women, it like they do a really good job of- Yeah, the teen be, slumber uh, party. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you play light as a feather, stiff as a board? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Did it work? No, of course not. I feel like it did once for me. <laughs> it didn't! It kind of did. I will always be convinced that when I was at summer camp at 12 years old uh, and played Light as Feather Stiffs Board, you can't tell me it didn't work. We didn't we didn't raise her that high, but I'm telling you. <laughs> but worked. you got her off the ground. We did. All those little slumber party games. Did you ever do the one where you lay on your back? With your your legs up and somebody presses down on them and then you tell a whole big story and then you get the you drop your legs and it feels like your whole body falls into a grave. No. Did you do uh, the it's... one where you crack the egg on the head and Yeah, and the yeah, oak yeah, drips yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But I'm I will go to my grave saying that the lightest of feather stuff as a board worked when I was like twelve. I don't believe in a lot of things, but I, I believe in that. Believe in the power of teen girls. Yeah, I well, do. you put it that way. Okay. I do. <laughs> I, I okay, now that. I'm done with my interruptions. Let's talk about the reboot. Came out in 2020, directed by Zoe Lister-Jones, called The Craft Legacy. It feels to me, just based on what I read and what I saw, that it's somebody who really loved the movie trying to right some of its wrongs. Mm-hmm. So the cast is more diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, the issues they deal with seem more like um societal and less about not that they're not in the craft but there's less infighting in the group yeah it does the end of the movie is the four girls coming together to defeat an outside antagonist which i love i love 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 that um i think what i wanted the craft to be is is that in the first place so there's there's no um scene of one of the girls being turned on by the other ones because she gets to whatever yeah um the thing that i really wanted and also david duchovny is the bad guy in it mm-hmm. um and i like that but the thing that i want to talk about which is kind of a major spoiler is at the very end so the lead girl lily, um, i think her name is what's lily yeah in the movie yeah yeah she's adopted 
Um, and I don't know how much you know about her birth mother throughout the movie, mm-hmm. but you do know she's adopted. Okay. Um, and she goes at the very end to visit her. She's she's going to visit someone. Her friends are like, big day. And her adopted mom drops her off. And she walks into what is clearly a mental hospital or a hospital anyway. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, here's who I'm looking for. And they say, what's your relation? And then she opens a door and Faruza Balk, Nancy, is sitting on a bed. And she says, can I help you? And she says, um, my name is Lily, whatever. I'm your daughter or you're mm-hmm. my mom. Um, and so it turns out that it's some. she's still I, when I read that. Faruza shows up at the end as her mother. I was like, oh, that's so nice. You find out that she's been like rehabilitated. Nope. But no, she's... she had a baby while hospitalized and then her baby was taken from her and adopted out. Obviously, like if you have a baby in a hospital, I think probably that is what should happen. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that Lily should grow up in a hospital, right. but um, it, I was really hopeful when I read that, that we were going to get a little Nancy redemption, but no. Nope. No, which Not is quite. a bummer. Yeah. Um, she's also the only one who appears in the... Um, in the reboot, yeah. Yeah, it's a sequel because Nancy's oh, yes. in it. No, I'm sorry, so, not reboot, yeah. No, I, but I think you're right. I think I've often read it, like, described as a reboot. <laughs> but it's but a because sequel. Because of, it's a sequel because of that that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I The article that I read about it in BuzzFeed was talking about how... And it was this was written by a woman who loved the original movie, mm-hmm. um, but also understood its problems. Um, that it feels like it's trying really, really hard, and that yeah. it's got like sort of a, I mean, I think the pejorative way of saying it would be that it's like the woke version or whatever. <laughs> but also that she makes the point in this article that like for and this is a quote for a lot of Gen Zers that wokeness isn't empty symbolism or virtue signaling but a mandatory state of being it's not weird or forced for them to have a trans best friend or be trans themselves because they're a trans character or take a stand against rape culture it's just how things are so I think you know the maybe the 40 year olds looking at it and saying oh it's a little too woke it's a little too try hard or whatever are missing the point that like for Gen Z that's that's sincere right you know so it feels it also feels just from the little bit that i watched that Mm -hmm. last like fight scene feels really light Um, yes it feels very like even the effects seem a little silly in a way that felt intentional to me Mm. like it I, i don't really know how to explain the vibe of it but it just felt like lighter like a much lighter movie which i kind of like yeah and that's brought up in this as well she says like you know the magic feels more fantastical and less dark and esoteric and it certainly doesn't go into the dark depths that the craft does it's fun with just the slightest hint of spook around the edges whereas the craft had more bite and horror and real danger so she agrees with you Hmm, good but it it feels like a movie that just maybe isn't, even though it is a sequel to a movie that, that I love very much. It just feels like maybe it's not really for me. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. That I agree with. Um, fun fact about Rachel Truth, just to throw this in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she released her own tarot card deck in 2020. <laughs> I did see that she's like Isn't a great? really serious tarot reader. Yeah, like, she is. She is. Like, made a career of it. Yeah. Love that. I kind of love that. I know. Uh, what's our, um, what's our Jersey reference? Oh, God. Uh, 
I mean, the, the Barnes and Noble that I was looking at witchcraft books in was in Paramus. <laughs> okay, count? I don't think our Jersey reference could be Is that me? we've been in New Jersey. <laughs> I don't know. Are that... you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? Now I'm just Googling where these women, these actors were born. I know. The Roger Ebert review of this from the time is uh, oh, no. not very positive, but it oh, mentions no. he's <laughs> this is some of his classic uh, sort of um, sarcasm. He says the teenager named Sarah decides to go to school, even though she doesn't have her uniform yet. Her stepmother drops her off at a Catholic high school in a posh session, section of Los Angeles. Um, but he says her family move into a vast crumbling old mansion overgrown with vines and apparently set within decaying wetlands. Where exactly in Los Angeles are there gothic mansions in Bayou Country? He's just kind of like shitting <laughs> on the realism. That's a good point. That yeah. house is nuts, by the way. I know. What do her parents do for a living? I don't remember. But I do know that it's leaking in such a way that you would not move into it before yeah. that roof was fixed. Well, it seems that they've never visited the place because he seems surprised. Yeah. I have... I have a connection. Okay, good. What is it? The first time all four women reunited uh -huh. was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey <laughs> in 2019. There okay. have been other other times where two or three of them had yeah. gotten together. But the Monster Mania convention, which is a huge monster convention, horror convention in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, South Jersey, even better. Um, proper South Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, their first time together since the movie was 2019 in in Cherry Hill for the Monster Media Convention. That's that count? That's weaker than I would like. But <laughs> well, what else you got? You give me one. So Natalie Portman of Garden State, not of the Garden State, but of the movie Garden State, um, apparently uh, went to a bachelor party where everyone had to bring their guilty pleasure movies, and she brought the craft. You think that's a that's not better. No, it's not. But it's, <laughs> okay. It's just another. It's okay. just another, another option. Okay. They're all pretty weak. Is this the worst we've done? I think it, it might be. No, I guess we'll scrap this episode. <laughs> I really feel like, are we missing something obvious? Probably. Do you think the man, the snake man, he's probably from Jersey, I'll bet. <laughs> he lives in the Pine Barrens. Yeah, exactly. Man, hold on. I know, I know we're done. I know it's time to wrap up. But when he, when that snake man just wanders into her house and says, I found this out back, do you want it? <laughs> it's so good. It's so funny and offbeat and strange. It's just like, including snakes is scary. So they do that in this movie. Yeah. Because when he shows up later, right before he gets hit by the car, they hit him with a car. Mm -hmm. He's like, I found another snake. You want it? Like, he's just walking around with like... Snakes and a message handing her for snakes. her. It's so yeah. funny. No I found myself back. Do you is. want it? Oh my god! I know. I laughed really hard. Oh, it's so silly. Maybe okay. So for our listeners, that's your task. Oof! Find us a New Jersey connection for the craft. I know you can do it. We have faith in you. Yes, I think it's pretty important that the first time all four of them reunited mm. was in New Jersey. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but I'll take it. Wow. I mean, it's it's you just don't like it's that not... it's you just don't like that it's South Jersey. It's not a South Jersey thing. If I said they fucking reunited at the Glen Rock, that's all you'd be talking about. 
I mean, that would be a great place to reunite and do some rituals. <laughs> I think that would be a great place to do some. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah exactly. Some I'll bet you do. Yeah, I'll bet. That'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be surprised me if it's been used in, in witch rituals. <laughs> it's a glacial erratic. It's important. It is. <laughs> Don't bring this here. Don't bring this here to my podcast. <laughs> Whose podcast? I'll bring my Glenrock uh, yeah. nest to whatever I want. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Um, okay. I guess we should wrap up now that we're devolving into this. So the craft. We did it. Uh, what are we watching next week? Oh. oh. Well, we're t- first of all, we're taking a week off. My fault. Right. Sorry. But I'm going to be driving all weekend um, to Wyoming. So we're going to take a week off, but then we'll be back. And what are we watching when we get back? So we're taking off the week of um, 10, 16. We won't be here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're taking the 17th off. We'll be back on the 24th. And we're taking an absolute left turn. I'm not even going to pretend there's a connection here. In fact, the only reason we're watching it this month, or the only, re- like, the reason we're watching it this month is so I can kind of justify us watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're watching a movie I love so, so, so much. Um, it's a pretty recent movie. Weirdly, it's one of my comfort movies, which is a weird <laughs> way to sell this movie. Uh, but it's uh, it's a horror movie. Which I know, Jody, you're not thrilled by, but it's got so much more going on that you are not even going to care that it's a horror movie. I promise. I mean, I um, watched Scream for you, so, and I didn't. You, I did like it, so I guess it's okay. You, I will be surprised if you don't like this movie. Um, it's called Scare Me. It's uh, by Josh Rubin, who's one of my favorite. He's a He's an improviser and a comedian and also a, a writer. And he's a heart. He writes a lot of horror. This was his first feature-length movie. He wrote it, directed it, produced it. He stars in it. And it's... Um, so he's he that craft? Play- <laughs> oh, there's our connection. There That's how I'm connecting it. You're right. He's he's the Zach Braff of um, of this movie. Oh, don't, don't do that to him. And um, his character is a horror writer he has rented a cabin to do some writing the person who has rented the cabin next door to him or down the road from him whatever is also a horror writer she's more successful um and the the like premise of the movie is electricity goes out she comes over to his cabin and is like let's hang out and tell each other scary stories okay and that's the movie cool i'm excited I truly, I love it so much. Um, I think I trust you, even though you're more of a snake person than a. (laughs) It's not that kind of horror movie. Oh, good. Um, And uh, it's, I just think it's fantastic. I wrote a really long, very like head up my own butt review about this movie and how much I love it for a podcast network I used to work for um, that you can find on the internet. Um, I thought I you were going to say you wrote a research paper about it. Oh, no, I was already uh, out of that. I was done with, I was, yeah, teaching at this point. Um, but I basically, like, used it as an excuse to, anyway, um, I won't link to it until after we talk okay. on the podcast. Because it's, uh, there aren't any spoilers, really, but there are, like, th- spoilers about the themes in the movie. Yeah. I would like you and our listeners to go into this um, reading as little as you can about it. Okay. Um it is it's lovely you can watch it pretty much anywhere 
Oh, Aya Cash is in it. I like her. Aya Cash is in it. Um, it's got a small cast. There are a couple other people that we can talk about who are in it. Um, Josh also did one of the podcasts that I worked for at the time, so I can share that interview too after cool. we uh, watch the movie. He's cool. lovely. This movie's great. He's great. I love everything he does. I'm obsessed. I love Nice. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. And I think if you subscribe to Shudder, um, mm. let's see if that's still true. Yeah. So um, you can get a seven-day free trial for Shudder, which is also, if you are a horror fan, it's a really cool yeah. streaming service. They have tons of stuff you can't find other places. But you can get a seven-day free trial um, and watch it there, which you just absolutely should. So I'll link to Shudder. Um, and again, you can or you can watch it on Amazon Prime or a few other places. But they're the two main ones. And it's even if you have to pay for it, I think it's well worth your your rental. Okay. Well, I will watch it on Prime probably. Awesome. Oh, I'm going to go watch it right now. And uh, where can folks find us? They can find us at WatchersPodNJ on Instagram and Twitter. I'm still calling it that. Um, and they can find me at Jody underscore Mim on Instagram. J-O-D-I-E underscore M-I-M. And uh, they can email us at WatchersPodNJ at gmail.com and tell mm-hmm. us is the container store bit going to stay in? Because they can tell us about their favorite yeah. uh, containers. Some of the... Okay. Uh-huh. And they can tell us if they would rather hold a rat or a roach. And they can also tell us um, if they found a Jersey connection to the craft. Yes. Those are the three a... things. Yep. Tell us about your love of the container store. Would you hold a rat or a roach? And how do we connect the craft to New Jersey? Perfect. Yeah. Scare me is going to be a tricky one too, but I'll bet I can do it. <laughs> we'll All figure right. it out. Awesome. Well, we can, haven't been able to say this for a little while, but we'll, uh, I guess we could have said it this week too, but it's especially appropriate to say we'll see in the woods. Ooh. I'm Kurt. Look, look. I'm in a wood. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel like we should start sharing what our backgrounds are on Instagram too. Like I At never want least... to be photographed, but we do a little behind the scenes. Uh, Andrea and I both choose to do backgrounds that relate somehow to just our for us, just for us. Just Nobody for us. else sees it. Yeah. But maybe, yeah, maybe we'll start sharing. Okay, we will see All you right. in the woods. Bye. Bye.